Greetings both history fans and film fans. If you haven't already, follow us on Instagram at History and Film. It's a good way to know when new episodes drop or just see other interesting history or film tidbits. And if you have any other questions, comments, or concerns, feel free to email me at simmons at tracknerds.com. Enjoy the show. So we record so far ahead of time that talking about current events isn't always the best tactic, but uh, we are recording in August, the end of August of 2021, and this though doesn't come out until the following June, I guess 10 months from now. So a lot could have changed between now and then. But since you spent so much time in Afghanistan, I wanted you to give me maybe your few minutes take on the absolute mess, but also how could it have gone much better? Just, I don't know, what's, you spent so much time there. What's a three minute take without getting too upset? (laughs) Right. Yeah, I, I don't know. I have, I have really mixed feelings about it. Because obviously, on the one hand, I I don't think it's debatable at all to say that the, you know, evacuations and the withdrawal could have gone smoother. I think that it's pretty clear that there was uh, a lot of messing up at just about every level. And, you know, a, a lot of uh, needless chaos and death has resulted from that. But at the same time, I think a withdrawal was always going to be at least a little messy. And I don't think that staying, it's always kind of been this, there's been this argument that, oh, we need to, we need to stay to, you know, to do this or do that. And at some point you just have to leave. Right. We don't own Afghanistan. (laughs) It's not part of the U.S. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, and, and I don't, I don't necessarily have any solutions as to how I would have done things differently or how I, you know, how the withdrawal should have been done differently. I think the withdrawal needed to happen, but I, I can't accept that this is the best that we could do. Yeah. And and you definitely hear a lot of people that like, Oh, this was roughly inevitable. The moment we went there in the first place, whether we left in Oh four or 2044, it was going to be a mess. And I agree though with you that, okay, but you know, you're withdrawing. So maybe get people out before, (laughs) before the U S troops, like, that just seems obvious, but then I also feel where I get frustrated too is again it just you know reminds me again why I'm independent is everyone rushes too quickly. Well, the Democrats are in charge, so we got to make sure even though it's a shit show, we're going to put as best spin as possible on it as, po- as as we can. But then the other side is going too far the other way and saying, well, obviously it's only bad because Biden's in charge, and it's just and it's always right. It's beginning. It's 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 bad. But it's it was like it's everybody's fault. Yeah, and that's that's why I say there were there were failures on so many levels because it's you know it's not any one person's fault, but it's kind of like the whole. That's what I'm saying. But it's also everybody's fault, right? It's it's every right. It's everyone's fault. Yeah, I don't know the the situation just sucks though. <laughs> like it's it's hard to imagine the situation being worse. Well, I mean, I, I, I can I can I can start thinking of some things because the, the Talakami band is actually being mostly tame at the moment, and that could have been a way different. Well, I mean, for, for them, obviously, with a huge yeah, artist, for yeah. for them, and also, I don't. Again, this is this is being recorded 
In oh, right, right. Here. We could be eating these words big time here in the next 10 months. Yes. This is being recorded in August. And, you know, like the there was just within the last couple of days, the deadliest day for the American military in Afghanistan in the last 10 years. Right. So back in 2011, there was a helicopter that was shot down. And I think like 30, there was 30 American service members killed in that helicopter crash. And since then, there has not been the loss of life that we've seen in the last couple of days. So that it just happened. So we don't know. I mean, I, ISIS-K, which is like the offshoot of ISIS, they operate in Afghanistan, claimed responsibility. But also, like, that bomber had to have gotten past a Taliban checkpoint at some point, because those are further out than the American checkpoints. So it's like, was this a deliberate thing? Is it a incompetence thing? Is it just an unfortunate, you know, they just snuck past, like they're just that good? Like, we don't know. We might not ever know. But it's, yeah. I'd... Yeah, okay. And again, this, we're here to talk, <laughs> we're going to talk about Vikings today. I just kind of wanted to get your two cents there. And again, talking about current events probably isn't the best idea on a podcast that records nearly a year ahead of time. <laughs> but Welcome to History and Film. <laughs> uh, we are going to talk about uh, the rest of Season 2 of Vikings, and all of this is kind of just filling up the, the summer here for you, so we didn't have to go on hiatus before we talk about American history one movie at a time this fall, where we will be able to go into a little better detail than we're kind of going into here. And my first note for today was the marriage alliance that we see set up in the show between Wessex and... Northumbria, when King Egbert of Wessex marries his son, was it Aethelwulf, to yes. the daughter of King Ayla of Northumbria. And most of these names are kind of right. This is actually, I don't know, we, we mentioned before, and we'll continue to mention, the show kind of gets some things right, some things in events. The it, it definitely streamlines a lot that's going on in England at the time historically. King Egbert was real, King Ayla was real, King... Yeah. Uh, well, Egbert's son, Aethelwulf is real. Yep, Alfred, their son, or his. Son, yes, but they basically eliminate a lot of people and just kind of combine some people. So then Ayla's yeah. daughter was not the person we see in the show. She's more of an amalgamation. Right. And that's something that they do all the time in the show. And um, not just with the the English, not just with the Saxon characters. They also do it with the French the French characters, or the, I guess the, oh, you know, the yes. Frankish characters in the show, yes. are there's a lot of uh, mixing and timeline shifting with those characters as well. Uh, but we can, we'll talk about that more. I, they're introduced in season three, right? Isn't that when they do the when they go to Paris? Yes, yes, yeah. We'll get okay. to that. We'll get to that <laughs> next week here. This is tricky too because so then the show. <laughs> The show Wikipedia page will give you a link to a person because so it's it is Judith is the daughter of King Ayla in the show, mm-hmm. and then Wikipedia has basically made the decision to say that's well they call it or she's Judith of Northumbria in the show. Wikipedia seems to have made the link to call her Judith of Flanders, who is actually French. So that's definitely not what we're seeing in the show or even what we're trying to. Yeah. So like that feels off, but I think it's because. She's married, but that's who was married to Ethelwolf of Wessex. So okay. King Egbert's son, Ethelwolf, was married to a Judith, but she wasn't from Northumbria. She was French. Well, 
and like we say, like they, you know, in the show, King Ayla of Northumbria, in the show, it he looks to have reigned for like 20 plus years, where in real life, his reign only lasted like five years. Right, right. But, you know, you can't fault the showmakers for changing that because what are you gonna have a different king character from northumbria like every time that you see them like that would be so confusing for the audience oh right if you tried to actually yeah, especially with how much time they're trying to cover it would be a hot mess of yeah it would almost seem unrealistic well who's this guy now you gotta set that up it's like exactly no, history isn't set up that way right and but also then you look at if you go to king Eckbert, he just has the one son Wolf listed on wikipedia which is also i think all we see in the show right is just the one son but then in the show and this probably does get it's probably more i guess season three stuff here but his son Aethelwulf in the show just kind of has the two sons right alfred and Aethelred. right i i don't remember what the name of alfred's older brother is in the show yeah i don't remember either and that's basically it but Aethelwulf actually i mean again on wikipedia here had five sons and a daughter but also most of those sons were kings so they just kind of yeah we're just gonna ignore all that so we can get to alfred quicker (laughs) yeah well and again to be fair to the showrunners like of all of the sons of aethelwolf the only one that is like one that people would actually care about to see in the show is alfred the great so why put the other four sons of aethelwolf in there because again, what are you going to do? Have a different king every single time the Viking, like every different trip, it's a new king, right? It's also interesting that they used the, the Judith. So the Judith from France who married Aethelwulf, she didn't have any kids with Aethelwulf. Oh, really? She's actually married first to Aethelwulf of Wessex, then Aethelbald of Wessex, then Baldwin of Flanders back over on the continent, who she finally had a kid with. So who is who's Alfred the Great's mother? Alfred Graydon's mother is Os- Os- Osborne, Osborne, another spouse of King Aethel Wolf. So again, they, that's where the kind of the amount the combining huh. becomes. Gotcha. Okay. And her father was Oslak. So again, not the so so in, in the show Vikings, Alfred the Great's father is not his father, and Alfred the Great's mother is not his mother. <laughs> uh, correct. Correct. And again, this, this kind of gets ahead. We don't really need, we don't need to talk about Alfred the Great today. Yeah, it's just, that's just interesting. I didn't know that. And then I'm actually trying to look then if King Ayla, so I'm sure these kind of, obviously these kind of alliances all happened, but what we see in the show with this marriage alliance between specifically King Eckbert and specifically King Ayla of Northumbria apparently couldn't have happened just because it just doesn't time out. There, there doesn't seem to be a record of any of Eckbert's sons marrying any of Ayla's daughters. That's not how it played out. So there may have been an alliance, but that I believe in the show is all is all fictitious, and they're definitely just trying to trying to streamline some things to kind of move some stuff forward. So, which is kind of what I like and get annoyed with with the show. It's both where okay, we got to see in this real place with these real kings. The timeline's a little off because the whole like we talked about the first time we talked about Vikings, the whole Linda's Farm raid was decades before any of this in the late 8th century now we're in the middle of the 9th century and yeah just know that if you're watching the show it's historical ish (laughs) but again i think they do get the vibe kind of right on all that as much as anything Uh, and then the other kingdom that comes in which we've already mentioned a little bit and we mentioned a little bit last time that becomes a bigger player here is mercia 
and we meet a princess Quinthreth. Again, I struggle to say that. Quint, yeah, I think Quinthreth. Yes, who's in the kind of the middle of a civil war with her brother, or is that more season three? <laughs> uh, that I think is more season three. Okay. Because, yeah, she. It's like a, yeah, her brother and her uncle. Yeah. Okay. But yeah, at this at this point, I think she's kind of when the Vikings meet her, or when when we first see her. Uh, she is kind of an exile from Mercia. Okay, and then in season three, we're going to go back to Mercia with her. Okay, okay. Yes, yeah. And yeah, Mercia, again, is kind of this buffer community between Northumbria and Wessex, who's probably worried about getting kind of pinched off. And and we definitely kind of see them kind of playing her off against either side and trying to figure out a way to... That's, again, more season three when Ekbert kind of betrays her and, and all that to kind of get control of Mercia. But definitely the kinds of things that were happening at this time. Uh, the other one, too, jumping back to, it's Jarl Borg, I think, gets the Blood Eagle at the end of this season, but he's also fictional. Yes. So the Blood Eagle, this is something that always kind of like, oh, not interested me because it's beyond abhorrent or catastrophic or whatever, but it's a real thing. <laughs> so yeah, you hear about, oh, yeah, Blood Eagle, Blood Eagle, what is that? And, and it's uh, basically when the Vikings would cut someone's lungs out through their back and place them on their back like little wings. <laughs> Yes. They did that. Like, kind of up over their shoulders. Okay, yeah, yeah. So you have these little wings that are your lungs that the Vikings basically, like, just yeah. gouged out through your back. Right. And, like, the, the back skin and the ribs are kind of pulled flat and spread out as you're kind of hung up by your arms. Yes. So it looks like you have these big wings, but it's all of your uh, skin <laughs> from your back that's now in front. Yep, yep. So that was the Vikings. <laughs> um, and we do see that. Yeah, we, we did. We kind of threw out with me. That was even a little bit of season one. We've seen ritual sacrifice before. And so, again, we're far from experts on North religion. And, of course, I mean, I think I don't think anyone's a massive expert just because so little is known on all this. But ritual sacrifice was definitely a thing. Uh, the Blood Eagle kind of then is a ritual execution. And, and I, again, I don't know to what extent you were doing this to scare off future enemies or if you're kind of doing this for the gods as a sacrifice and we, we kind of see anything everything we see willing sacrifices in the show we see unwilling sacrifices in the show we see animal sacrifices in the show but any and all of that does seem to be part of kind of the norse culture and the viking culture and again they, did, they don't they weren't necessarily super dogmatic and it might have just been like oh in this area we like to sacrifice goats and in 100 miles away, they sacrifice people <laughs> or sac- <laughs> sacrifice the people you capture in war or sacrifice people who willingly want to be sacrificed. And it was kind of just any and all of that throughout. But yes, the, the Blood Eagle that we see a couple times in the show, that kind of thing definitely happened. And real quick mention, so Ivar the Boneless is born in, at the end of the season, but as he's just mm-hmm. a baby, I really didn't want to mention much beyond his name. In the show, they kind of make the conscious decision to have him born with malformed legs, and Ragnar basically says he's, I mean, he's basically worthless to our culture then, so he's just, he basically sets him out in the woods to just die, but then the mom comes mm-hmm. back and saves him, and Ragnar you know, kind of decides not to kill him, but and I think they have in the show, Ragnar names him Ivar the Boneless. And again, there was a historical Ivar the Boneless who is credited as one of the possible sons of Ragnar. But we don't know that's if that's why. We don't know the, the yeah, origin of was, his name. 
Yeah. I was going to say that was that was something that I thought was interesting. That that was a show decision like, to have the leg thing, right. yeah. Like you would think that if that were the case, you know, if that were the case it would be pretty well documented, especially because of like all the stuff like his chariot and stuff later on, like you would think that that would be stuff that would be written down or depicted in art or something, but and it's yeah, not in life, right in real life. No one really knows. Like, there's a bunch of theories, but no one really knows why he's called Ivar the Boneless. Right, right, and yeah, like, you, know, you look on the Wikipedia here. One hypothesis is that you know, it's 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 all about it's about trans translations, and, and so it's yeah, mm-hmm. one translation is you know he without bone or the boneless there but it also could just mean like the hated i like that one too because it's like it's a combination of two different translations so the latin word for the hated would be exosus Mm. and uh x means without and os os is bone so like ivan without bone it, it could be misconstrued yeah so that's i don't know that's kind of a an interesting thing that maybe he was completely normal and just no one <laughs> no one liked him <laughs> oh, or i mean this this seems a little uh blue but it is kind of in the we're not this isn't anything new it's like it, he might have also been impotent and <laughs> that too yep which which actually the show kind of deals with not uh not as a play on the words necessarily but also just what one more little theory this will be quick but i guess the it it says here that the word for bone and the word for leg are the same so boneless and legless would be the same word oh okay but again it i mean literally not having legs doesn't make sense i mean that, that like you said that well, would be right but like if, yeah. if you lose a leg in battle and then everyone starts calling you ivar legless oh like the, yeah the legless dude i don't know i, I got gotcha. you Whereas the show can say he got this nickname at birth, but right, if in real life he got the name when he's, you know, 40 years old, well, then that's a right. whole different thing. Because, yeah. uh, I mean, it's it's possible Ivar lived to be about 70 years old. I mean, so, right, he could have definitely spent the last couple of decades if he had lost a leg in battle or something. That's a good call. But again, all this stuff is just kind of too long ago. But again, he is he is historical, which is kind of neat. So obviously we see him in this show, but then you're just kind of looking at, you know, down, it's like, oh, there was a ivar the boneless character in a film about alpha the great you know from 1969 i'm like well that's kind of neat yeah of course that makes me think oh if that movie's good enough we need to do that for this podcast at some point Mm. but again he's just he's just a baby so i kind of just wanted to mention that he's now around and uh worth mentioning and again he was i guess we don't know when he was born i say about 70 years old we actually don't know when he was born we know he died about 873 so again if we're in the middle of the ninth century Maybe he's even born a little hair late, depending on how long he lives. And yeah, or if this is more closer to 840, then all of a sudden the 860s, he's definitely in his 20s doing battles and stuff. Because anyway, that gets more to season three. The historical Ivar the Boneless was at some battles we will get to uh, down the line here. I actually even charged some of those battles. So I, uh, I just looked up that Alfred the Great movie. It has no Rotten Tomato score. There are zero audience score ratings, and it only has two reviews, so the tomato meter doesn't show anything. Well, that, that's where I would go to IMDb then. Oh, okay. Then it's a, uh, it is a 6.3 on IMDb. That's not horrible. Now, it's also one that might not be available even for us to be able to access at this point, but... Yeah, it doesn't look... Google doesn't show anywhere that it's, that it's available to stream. Ian McKellen's in it? Oh, dang. Michael York is in it? I don't know. Watch this. <laughs> Man, E. McCa- how old is... How old would he have been in that movie? The movie came out in 1969, and he was born in 30... Okay, so he'd have been 30 years old. Huh. Anyway. Well, man, the artwork even looks cool on it. 
Uh, the listener may not be surprised that Logan and I are nerding out about uh, some old movie about After the Great we may or may not be able to access. <laughs> <laughs> if you are also curious, you're in the right place. Um, probably worth talking about a little bit now here, too, since we got a little bit of time. We see as Ragnar kind of becomes frenemies with King Eckbert. And, of course, they're obviously through his relationship with the uh, character Ethelstan, who, again, is fictional, the monk that they captured, who kind of switches mm-hmm. sides here. Uh, or not really switches sides, but switches face and then gets captured back by the English or the Wessex group. And then they try to crucify him as an apostate. But then King Eckbert swoops in and saves him and is kind of interested in him as well. Yeah. Well, that kind of plays a role, too, later on. Like, people then, they see him as like a... Oh, I don't even know what the right word would be. Like a trophy. Kind of, yeah, but like people are super interested in seeing his crucifixion scars. Like, oh my, you're a monk who has, you've been crucified. Like it. True, true. uh, Yeah. You know, that would be a big deal. (laughs) Like, well, stigmata kind of thing, I guess, almost. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but I mean, like, he becomes almost this, almost, he himself becomes a relic almost that teaches people. Yes, that's a good way to say it. Relic, yes. And yeah, so Ragnar has this kind of. Oh, morbid is not the right word, but this kind of morbid fascination with Christianity and just kind of this, like, he's just really, really curious about, tell me more about this Christ fellow. Because he's trying to put it right. in terms that he understands from the Norse religion and right. trying to figure out what role that kind of plays. There's actually something really interesting that I got last summer when I was going to all these Viking museums. They talked about how when Christians were trying to, well, infiltrate's not the right word, but when Christians were trying to influence and convert the Scandinavians, they were so used to gods like Odin and Thor that if you go in there with this frail, starving guy hanging on a cross dying, that was seen as weak and they weren't interested. Right. right. So in early Scandinavian depictions of Jesus, even if he's on a cross, he was just a little heftier, a little, not necessarily muscular, but just a little more intimidating, a little more formidable. And that was intentional. If you were going to convert Scandinavians to Christianity, you needed a more macho Jesus, basically. So it was like it was like the uh, the statues or the paintings you see sometimes where they'll have like buff Jesus. Yeah, like, yeah. Or, or even just even just more filled out. Less, uh, again, pathetic is not the right word. Pathetic has the wrong connotation. Emaciated. But if you think about, because pathetic doesn't necessarily have to be a negative thing. It can be simply a worthy of pity. And, you know, maybe frail looking can be pathetic and just in in the the pitiable version. Anyway, so yes, they wouldn't want that. So you're not necessarily buff, but just not meek, not frail. Well, and we, we see that, like, that exact attitude from Floki towards Ethelstan in the show like Floki is like why would we ever care about your pathetic weak god we have like Thor the god of thunder and like Odin the all-father and Loki the trick like we have these super badass strong gods and your god is is not that so why would we why would we care about your god yeah that's that would be kind of an accurate depiction then is how I'm kind of looking for See if I can find one of these. Uh, okay, so the Christ figure here, he's he's actually clothed, so he's not like buff, but 
it's not like you can see the ribs. He actually has a crown on, and he instead of being like just a loincloth, he actually has like armor on. Oh, okay, the the gold guy. Yes. Oh yeah, he's got armor on. He's got a crown. Right. So that yeah. would be more likely to get the Scandinavians on board with Christ than would be the. Gotcha. And instead of his head like kind of drooped down like he's dying on a cross, his head is like up like he's right, right. So he was still sacrificed, but he's more he looks more like a warrior here. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Huh. Okay. So definitely kind of an intentional thing. And of course, and that's what you want to talk about too, is like I mean, I kinda oh not grew up, but like you definitely hear like, oh, December twenty fifth. That's like the feast of Odin. Like you just Oh, we well they they uh in the show they call it Yol. Which is obviously a precursor to the word Yule. Right, right. Yeah. But there's like a their big winter... Yeah. Yeah, but it, it, like in the show, it's like their big winter festival. They have the Yule log. They have mistletoe. Right. There's like a big feast. Definitely cool to see that kind of... Uh, the inclusion of that kind of stuff where it's like, okay, these are historical origins of stuff that maybe we take for granted as having kind of always been that right right and that yeah they're kind of just uh assimilated into these traditions just kind of you know evolve over times and specifically i always thought interesting too is like december 25th well it's also not a coincidence because if the winter solstice is december 21st 22nd whenever that is the idea is it's a few days after that when you now knew for sure the days were getting longer again. So the days keep getting shorter, keep getting shorter, keep getting shorter, keep getting shorter until December 22nd, and then they slowly start getting longer again. So a few days after that, you have basically now, okay, yep, they are for sure now lengthening the days. Let's celebrate as we get back into the life-giving sun coming back to us. And again, at a time where they didn't understand what was happening or why, you just kind of knew days get shorter, days get longer. And it's an especially big deal that far north <laughs> right because during the winter the nights are really long right when you were basically only getting or you're basically i mean if you're far enough north and our characters aren't that far north but if you were in northern norway or even are today i mean yeah my understanding is the sun you might you might even just get dusk you might or sorry a little bit of almost dawn like you get the sun it lightens the sky but the sun itself might never actually break break the horizon and then goes back to yeah. dark yeah yeah, and I've even noticed, like, going from, like, here in Arizona to back in Kansas, which is further north, when I go back home, in the summertime, like, the days are noticeably longer. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's not even nearly as far north as, like, Norway. <laughs> right, right. And, yeah, you can check when you just kind of look at the, when the, when it says sunrise and sunset time is, I mean... But yeah, so yeah, Ragnar's kind of debating whether or not he wants to, almost even wants to become Christian. And of course, Floki's then really upset by how interested he is. And he just sees it as, you're just going to anger the gods and have them turn against this if you're trying to even entertain these uh, Christian thoughts. And like, Rolo does get baptized at one point, but Ragnar never does, does he? I, he? I feel like he's always kind of interested, but never kind of crosses that threshold. Into being a Christian? yeah. Or even, or even uh, being well, baptized, because Rolo actually gets baptized, but then goes back, and we, then we'll talk. We can talk about this more during their during the Paris stuff in season four. But he Ragnar gets baptized. Oh, that's his. Oh, that is next but, season. Okay, yeah, but yeah. it's kind of like it's almost unclear, like whether he gets baptized because he wants to be baptized, but how much of that, like it's part of a ruse to get him inside the city. Okay, yeah, that's all. That's all next time. That's all next time. <laughs> yeah, that, that'll be yeah. Have we talked about Siggy? Is she a historical figure at all? 
Or she made up. She's for not because yeah. So she's married to Earl, whatever uh, Gabriel Burns' character's name was. She's first married to him, and then she kind of hooks right. up with Rolo, and then also with King Horik. But I think she's she's just made up. So I okay. hadn't really mentioned her. Uh, she definitely plays an important role in the show, and she kind of helps look after right. Ragnar's kids. And yeah, and she, well, she's kind of not really married to Rolo, but they have a relationship, and then she ends up dying saving Ragnar's kids but then Bjorn names his daughter Siggy with uh, his daughter with Thorin oh okay okay oh here's another place so the the we haven't really talked about the place where the seemingly fictitious as far as I can tell Jarl Borg is from uh they call it in, they call it uh at least in the Wikipedia notes referencing these episodes it's uh Gotland or Jotland which is okay. looks like just southern Sweden is what it looks like. That would make sense, I guess, as far as if they're going to say where he's from. Southern Sweden seems to make sense, I guess. And I don't know if we actually go there. Yeah, Rolo, it says Rolo is sent as an emissary to Gotland to negotiate with him in episode six. So that's just southern Sweden. But again, they, they play so much with the geography that just because they use a name doesn't seem to really mean much in this show. Other, now, I say that, when they go to England... And even to France in season three, they don't seem to mess around with the geography as much as they do with Scandinavia right. here. Yeah. Scandinavia, they're just kind of like, eh, close enough. Which is interesting because it's like, it's a show about the Vikings. Right, <laughs> right. You would think that they would be like more dedicated to the Scandinavian stuff being a little more accurate. But it seems like in the show, they care more about making sure that you know, English geography and the French geography is all is nice and, you know, neat and kind of really historically accurate. Um, at least as far as the would they you know, they talk about like Paris and they talk about Kent and they talk about like these uh York and like cities that actually exist and are still there, but then yeah, when when it's uh the the Viking cities, it's either, you know, Kattegat, which is completely made up, or if it is a real place, it's like, yeah, but it's not where it should be in relation to all the other stuff that we talk about, which is, I don't know, that's that's kind of interesting that in the show about Vikings, they don't really get a lot of the Viking geography. Right. And again, they're just trying to cover so much in a limited time, and maybe it's just kind of easier to make yeah. that fit the needs of the show, but then that can, then can just kind of fit easily with the actual English and French stuff. And again, all we like just said, they just kind of completely butchered all the descendants of Ekbert and Ayla and all that as far as... Not even to make an attempt at historical accuracy. There's also a uh, business decision to be made there. Like, they know that the audience is going to be mostly, like, English-speaking, you know, an English-speaking, like, Western audience, so... Right, it's not a Scandinavian production in the sense that, like, that's the audience that it's being made for. It's being made for an English-speaking audience, right. Are the, the the Brits and the Canadians and the Americans that are watching the show, are they going to know or care if the Scandinavians' geography is wonky? Probably not. But are they going to notice or care if, like, the English geography is all messed up? <laughs> yeah, probably more so. Like, they're going to notice it more. It's going to make it harder for them to, dis, you know, suspend disbelief. Whereas if it's Scandinavian geography you'd know nothing about in the first place, that it's like, oh, okay, yeah, I buy that. Yeah, you think you'd... Uh annoy your scandinavian viewers because i'm sure there are some like they'll they'll basically speak english anyway uh that was wasn't just here's, here's a little side note for you so uh when i was over there last summer how france was a uh, spoke way less english than i was hoping for 
although obviously I, oh, really? I, I, I could yeah, get by a little bit. That was, it was to tell more. I have more stories about that that we can kind of get into where I was having to like going into a cell phone store to up my data or whatever on my SIM card. And like, I'm just having to use my broken French because like the dude does not speak English versus you get to like Scandinavia. And I don't know if you can find a Swede that doesn't speak English. They basically, it sounds like they made the, they made the, the country made the business decision of, oh, as part of our public education, we are doing all of our citizens a great service and making them marketable in the business world if we just start teaching the whole country English from the time they're seven. And so basically they all speak English yeah. because they just made the decision. No, that's part of our core public education is teaching yeah. everyone English. That's something too that you see, like uh, there are a lot of actors from Scandinavian countries yeah. that you wouldn't know that unless you look it up because their American accents are so good that they just sound like they're speaking American. Like you said, oh, that guy's American or like maybe Canadian, but like not even, it's not even off. Like, oh, okay. Like sometimes his vowels, you know, are a little weird. Like, no, it's, it's, it's solid. Right. The guy that plays, you know, Jamie Lannister in Game of Thrones, we like to mention he's, he's Danish and right. Alexander Skarsgård is like, plays a ton of American characters and he, right, yeah. Yeah, right, because we said his brother plays Floki, as I learned. Right, yeah, and his other brother plays uh, Pennywise the Clown. <laughs> yeah, I don't watch that stuff. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> the only other thing in, in my notes here, it actually, this actually ties it, I actually did have it highlighted. So the show does mention Rolo is injured, recognized by Ethelstan, and taken back to Winchester. So I don't remember them saying Winchester in the show, but... That must be what serves yeah. as the capital of Wessex, which does yeah. fit with modern geography mm-hmm. as far as uh, that goes. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like season two, there wasn't actually a lot for us to talk about here because it's just, just kind of a lot of the same characters and locations from season one. Right. And, and it's a lot more um, scheming based than it is like big geopolitical move based. Right. And the so scheming like, is all made up. And even the marriage alliances are made up. Right. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot more of just like infighting and drama type stuff. Like there are battles in season two, but not uh, like big invasions of foreign lands like there are in season one and then in seasons three through six. Right. So, yeah, when we get to season three next time, we will get into a, a lot more actual historical stuff when we get into the Viking raids on Paris. So stay tuned and we'll kind of keep this rolling. <laughs>